Okay, welcome back to the Go Off Sis podcast. Today, we got a question for y'all. I said, where the party at? Hey. Second question, <laughs> who all gonna be there, okay? So, you know, maybe not because the spread is real, but we did get a glimpse of the return to being outside and the party. So even though festivals and some of our homecomings are still gonna look a little different this year, we're still gonna bring you the party because we are here. And if we're gonna be talking about portying, we're going to keep it real, okay? Because we like to party. I'm going to be doing hey. party anthems hey. all day. So just <laughs> get used to it, okay? So, okay, when we're talking about this, we can be talking about the joy of a swag surf, homecomings, the barbecue, or a kickback. We can make anything a good time. We know that. And even though, like I said, things are probably going to look a little different this fall, we want to dig into what the sacred space is of a Black party because it is exactly that sacred and why we all have that friend who grabs wings for the after party because that is also sacred. (laughs) And you better make sure to keep it right here for the after party because after we talk about parties, we are going to have the fantastic and hilarious Yvonne Orgy in the building. And you know that is a party too. So before we get into that though, I want to introduce my party girls, okay? Welcome. And I want to talk about, we're talking about parties today. So let's dig in. What is your party persona, okay? Who are you at the party, all right? I am Chelsea Sanders, VP here at Unbothered. And because, as I said, we're keeping it all the way real, I am going to be the one who you have to keep an eye on, to be honest, Um, (laughs) all the way throughout the party. I probably will do something to get me kicked out of the party. Generally, what my friends say is like, if Chelsea's at the party, there's going to be a story. Um, I don't know what the story is. (laughs) I don't know if it's good or bad, but... If I'm there, you will get a story and you will get a show. So you're welcome. Welcome to this party. <laughs> All right. Kathleen, how are you feeling in the six? I'm feeling good, Charles. This is why you're invited to so many parties. We want the stories. All right. I'm a senior editor here at Unbothered, repping for the six as I do. My party persona depends on how many libations I've had. I think that I'm also the person who will find a corner and make you have a deep conversation. I'm that girl. And listen, I know we want to have fun at the party, but I think it's also a good time to like get to know somebody, have a little kiki in the corner. That's me. And then also, again, depending on how many drinks I've had, karaoke is my party Mm. persona. I'm the girl in the corner singing Whitney when I have no business singing Whitney. (laughs) What's your go-to Whitney karaoke song? Oh, gosh. It used to be I Want to Dance with Somebody, but my mm-hmm. friends have made me outlaw that song because I have butchered it too many times. <laughs> Who cares, though? You just, like, want to scream that song from right? the rafters, no matter. Yeah. That's the no song. Doubt. Kathleen's the one who's like, okay, what's your sign? And also your stance on reparations. <laughs> Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's Got it. it. Okay. I gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And over here, doll, how you doing? Hey, y'all. It's the doll from Houston, Unbothered Culture Critic here. I'm so glad to be with y'all. It's been a minute. And I'm happy to be talking about parties because I'm back on the streets until fall comes. But while Kathleen is talking about the Panopticon and reparations, which, you know, deep, deep things, I'm going to be on the dance floor because I'm not trying to hear all that. We've suffered enough. Let's hit the club. Let's hit the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? If it's a white people party, I might be over there getting into some deep stuff. But if it's our skin folk, our kin folk, I will be on the floor. Don't try to battle me, though. I don't do that. <laughs> this is a one-woman show. I don't want to see anyone trying to be like, oh, yeah, uh-uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. 
even a soul train <laughs> line is a bit much for me. I'm a one woman act. So, oh. you know, I'm not going to lie. Stay over there. Keep it cute over there. And I'll be like, hey, but don't we don't A together in the sense that we're doing the same stuff. Like it's a bit, you know, I don't know. It's an ego thing. I don't know. It's an ego thing. Oh, my God. You said my A is not your A, okay? <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> together, but not together, if it makes sense. Yes, exactly. Separate bedrooms. That's fine. We love that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Maya, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know who it is. It's Maya from the South. Sometimes dirty, sometimes not. 904, stand up. I'm very much, you know, was I at the party? Did you see me? Was there evidence <laughs> that I was actually there? Probably not, because I'm in the corner. I don't want any pictures. If you weren't invited to the party, then you don't need to know what we were doing there. Ooh. Like, like, <laughs> I don't need to I saw, I saw Maya. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, you didn't. Yeah, if you think you did, you did not. Okay, so Maya, you're in the corner with me, but for me, I'm going to take a picture. <laughs> By yourself. Uh, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> Maya's going to take the picture like, okay, of you. Correct. Break this, yeah. break this down for us. You are so beautiful. You are so photogenic. I, I, I see you on IG. So why don't you like cameras around? That is a curation on Instagram. That is a in-depth thought out. I took the picture on purpose. I don't need any, oh my, I don't need any TMZ moments, Okay. I don't need any moments when I'm a billionaire at 50. Somebody was like, look at what she was doing. Oh my gosh, Twitter. I don't need any of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want to feel comfortable. I want to be cute. And most of all, I'm just a very private person if I don't know you. And it takes a lot for me to get comfortable with people. So I might be in the corner with Kathleen, you know, jigging it up, kikiing. But if some little cameraman who's trying to get, you know, his promo on comes over, I'm like, ah. Maya, I also love that this is based on the fact you're like, I'm just too famous. That, no, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> don't want to Celebrity do that. things. That's the projectile. Right. I'm just projecting my life right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to be a billionaire. You can't have these things out about you. You just cannot. It will bring the net worth down. And like, what would your husband say? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, who cares what a man will say, number one. Okay. That's true. But number two, true. I appreciate this because you guys all know since like I've been on this podcast, my lifestyle is real G's move in silence like lasagna. And so I can 100% get behind this ideology. But it does bring up a good question, right? Of like, what do we need to make a good party? Like, what for you is the like ingredient? You have to have it, the recipe for a good party. If it's not there, it's trash and I'm out. And Maya, I'm going to agree with you. Like, for me, like, no cameras, please. Like, if I'm here and I feel comfortable, like, the cameras are not coming out and neither is Chelsea. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not going to do this, like, for me, then I can't really give you my best party Chelsea. And I feel like it's a little bit of, like, comfort level and also just, like, trust, right? Because I don't trust a lot of people to take my picture, number one. But number two, like, you have to also be like, hey, we can have fun without having to feel like it has to be everywhere and, like, a party with a capital P, right? So, like, why can't we just enjoy each other, some good music, good food, like, maybe someone to dance up on. Like, let's just keep it cute and for ourselves, you know? You know, no face, no case, no evidence, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, everybody knows the rules. Put the phones up. Or, you know, the, the most I'll do is close friends, you know? That's it. Mm. But other than that, we don't need no gin pop. We don't need no gin pop pictures, videos, none of that. Okay? Because, yeah. Chelsea, when you're dancing, are you particular with the person or the people that you dance with? Because for me, if you can't dance, you need to get out the way. It's a (laughs) one-woman show, but I'm letting you in the space. We got to be on the same 
mindset. You know what I mean? Are you like that? No, I am an equal opportunity oh, partier. Oh. This party, it'd be for everybody, okay? okay? <laughs> Literally, not even a little bit. And I feel like, because if I'm going to a party, that means I've invested, right? Like, that means I've decided this is going to be a good use of my time. Mm. And what I don't play with is my time. So if I'm there, I'm there to do some real business. Like, we have an agenda, you know what I mean? It might also be because, you know, I've been in this game for a minute, so I, have, I know what I want to do, and I know, like, what I need to do to get in the mix. But like, I really don't get like people who go to parties and aren't having fun. Like they go to parties knowing that they're not going to have fun or they don't want to be there. Like I I told you guys that song, like, what am I doing here? Like, girl, just go home. It's not that serious. (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, just go home. Like, I'll call you an Uber right now. And also you bring down the whole vibe anyways if you're at a party and you don't want to be there. So if you see me at a party, that is because I have decided I want to be there. So I'm going to be here, you know? I don't know. I think that for me, obviously vibes are important. You need a good vibe, but Above all else, because I am the dancing doll, you need that DJ to be good. I don't know why everyone turns into a like a professional DJ when they're at their party. They'd be like, I can mix this better than this. But I'd be definitely saying that. I feel like DJ Neye, I'm working on the name, I'm working on it. But I feel like <laughs> we need to we need to curate the vibes. The DJ is almost more important than the people in the room. Because if he can't, he or she, they can't set the tone, it's whack. Also, sorry, it need to be some good looking people in the room. I'm sorry. And good looking <laughs> is very subjective, but people need to be looking good because when you feel look sexy, you feel sexy. And I feel like that energy is just like, okay, I look good. Let me go talk to the, let me go talk to Kathleen in the corner. I want to hear what hey. she got to say about, about civil rights. I want to go talk to Maya. She's not going to, she's not going to talk to me otherwise, but let me go introduce myself. Let me go dance with Chelsea. You need that vibe. And then you also need air conditioning. Just, just, just being practical. That's yeah. I mean, that's a party I want to go to a day. It sounds like good vibes. Sounds like all the ingredients are there. For me, a DJ is a necessity. Yes. Not to be the girl that brings up my wedding all the time. Ow. <laughs> but it is like, it is weeks away at this point. So I'm sorry. It's on, it's on the brain. But I had to reschedule it from 2020, right? And the good thing that happened out of that is that I was able to get my dream DJ, Lissa Monet. T-Dot knows, Lissa Monet, she's so dope. I'm so excited. And the original plan was like this sweaty dance house party. And that's obviously not the vibe that we can do in 2021. But that's really what I need for a good party. Good DJ, some good dancing, good food, good drinks, and yeah, good people. See, I agree because when you say air conditioning, I'm like, eh, but do we? Like, Y'all. I love a, a sweaty, like, <laughs> it be that's hot. Why, again, that's why I'm here. Just yeah. what kind of party you go to, girl, because no, ma'am. <laughs> then what is the point? What are we doing? <laughs> We're already Don't sweating. Just, like, we are already yeah, sweating. Exactly. It's the hot in here video, though. Isn't that what you're recreating every time you go to a party? <laughs> no, just me? No, no, no. But, okay, okay, fine. But I think then there is the time for the sweaty, like, hot up in here video party, right? And then there's the time for, you know, the wedding party where we all keep it cute and collected. And then there's the time for Anae's party where she's literally in a glass box by herself, I think. It's <laughs> some people there. It's some people there. Oh, okay, okay. They're, We're just in a circle. That. We've we've formed a circle around Around. Her. There yeah. it is. Okay, okay. But not a dance battle. Okay. But no, th- no, I no. feel like that. 
that also then, like, you know, if we're talking about homecomings, right? Like, you're fine getting in a situation where you're like, okay, I know I'm going to be drinking from some red Solo cups for the next 12 hours. I got to get my coffee together. And it's just, you know that vibe. If we're talking about, you know, a house party, you're probably going to be drinking out of some lovely stemmed glassware, which is what we all should be doing probably right now in these times. And then when we're talking about being outside again, it looks like a different vibe, right? So I feel like there are different party personas and different things you need for different types of parties. And you have to be able to discern what kind of party you're getting into. Yeah, that's that's the key, is knowing what you're getting into. I think you need to have a plan. This is the Capricorn in me. But you need to have a plan before you go because in Canada, we don't have HBCUs or else I would have been at one. But we do have homecoming at certain universities. And if you know which university you're going to, I'm going to shout out Queens for a second. Queens homecoming is like legendary. If you are going to that homecoming, you know that you got to, like, strap your keys to your body. You need to have a plan in place, have a buddy, because you don't know what's what's good, where the night's going to take you, what state you're going to be in by the end of the night. So you got to prepare yourself accordingly. Prepare. And I think, in a something that you said was preparing for, like, who you're going to be partying yeah. with, right? Like, I think there's such a different vibe, like you said, when there's a party of what you do when it's majority Black versus maybe not, right? And that, obviously, that makes a difference with whether, one, we're going, how long we're going to be there, and how we're showing up when we are there, right? Like, I know at a Black party, every party I go to, literally, <laughs> for my dad's birthday— my brother was like, nine o'clock, we need a we need a rack of wings over here. I'm gonna be right back. Like gone for an hour, <laughs> so brought good. enough wings to like feed an entire restaurant. Did I eat them? Absolutely. But why is it that at every party I go to with majority black people, someone always dips to get for a wing run? Like that's just something that's gonna happen. But that's not gonna happen when I sit down with Jen or Becky. I do know that. Both of whom are actual <laughs> people I love and I'm friends with. <laughs> It's funny because there's like different rules for every like type of black party across the diaspora as a person who, you know, grew up and went to like black American parties, has been to like the the bashment, the dance hall. African parties have a specific rule. Like it's a vibe. Everyone knows you don't say anything, but you know, like, OK, party says it starts at seven. It's a lie. <laughs> that thing is going to start maybe 11 o'clock. The people who start who like are throwing the party are coming at 11 o'clock with you. They're like, oh, y'all didn't set up the chairs while I wasn't here. Girl, it's not my it's not my wedding. Your wedding. <laughs> you came late to. That's crazy. And then if you're on time, people are looking at you like, how long have you been here? Three hours? Oh, wow. I just want to say that Anae was late for this podcast recording. <laughs> just gonna like brand. it was Very an African brand. party. If we're keeping it all the way real. <laughs> you guys. Very on brand. Very on brand. Honey. You know, I read the Google calendar. Me, I was like, 11. That means like 12, right? But I was <laughs> See, it translates. Certainly I'm so before sorry. five. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> okay, I want to get into like the parents and going to house parties thing. But I also want to say that, you know, there's a lot of times where we, we do have to be in spaces, party spaces, where it isn't majority black, right? And yeah. you got to just like find your people. So, so go, to go back to like having a buddy, for me, especially here in Canada, like there's a, there's a lot of spaces that are majority black. Don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of times, especially with my job, where I'm in parties that are all white. Mm. That's why I think I find these little corners because we got to take care of our own. And Mm. like, yeah, we're not going to be like dancing for anybody else's show, right? We're going to be in the corner 
taking care of ourselves. But yeah, for house parties and whether or not my parents would let me go to them, my mom had no idea what I was getting up to. I was lying. The lies. (laughs) The lies. The lies. lies. What's the best lie you told? I want to know. Yeah. I would say, I would always say I was studying. It was too easy with my Jamaican mom and Ghanaian dad. They were just like, oh. They're looking at your grades like. (laughs) (laughs) It was a part of the scam. My grades were good. I kept them up. Just so that I could go to these parties and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm studying. It's 11 o'clock on a Friday. I'm, I'm going over to Megan's to study. She's such a good child. <laughs> I'm going child. over to Giselle. She's such Giselle. a good child. We don't have any problems with her. Giselle. She said, why am I in it? <laughs> yeah. And my, like my mom to this day, I feel like if she knew. I remember this one time. I fell up the stairs. Again, had maybe one too many libations. And... She, if she knew, I don't think I would be talking to y'all today. <laughs> she couldn't possibly be doing this. Yeah, like, that's how, like, my my parents thought of me like that. But that was also because, and shout out to my sister. She, I have an older sister, and she was bad. <laughs> and it made it a lot easier for me to be, like, the golden child who, like, frankly, got away with a lot of more crazy things <laughs> because she was out here distracting. And so I was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go. Don't worry. like. You, you just keep focusing on Alex. And so oh, being the younger sibling definitely, like, gave me a lot of cover. Mm. And uh, I went to high school with 500 white girls. So all the things you're saying, Kathleen, about, like, being able to be comfortable in a space and being able to, like, find the people that you want to party with is, it's real. And I think, like, when I went to college and after college, really, like, because I went to college again with a lot of white people who were very intense. And we we talked about it in season three about just, like, going to a predominantly white institution and partying there where the stakes are unnecessarily high. Yeah. Like, those people are hiding something, clearly. But I think, like, until after college, when I really started, like, curating my own friends who were Black, like, that's when I realized, like, oh, like, these parties are lit and they can be fun and they are so different than they were when I was younger and, like, feeling like I had to be a certain type of partier to go out, right, and, like, keep up with these people until I realized, like, actually, I can just have fun with my people. And that was, like, something I didn't learn until, you know, I was in my 20s. See, y'all are just so lucky. I'm hearing all these stories about I snuck out. I was a liar. You know, my sister was bad. I'm better. You know, (laughs) Gwen was not having that in high school. She was very much not having that. So I'm thankful that I even went to college because I'm like, oh, I didn't start partying for real till college. Like I had a few parties in high school and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my life. And I loved it. And then she saw a C. She said, oh, no more partying. She said, "We're, we're you. Just, you've been doing too much. You know, we're gonna we're gonna rein it back in." So when I went off to college, it was more you. You know, you're managing yourself, your own time. You can basically kind of do what you want to do. And I guess I didn't really know how to party. You know, interesting. And do you feel like you know how to party now? Or are you still learning? I mean, learning? as y'all saw, I'm still in the corner getting my drink and my two step on because at the end of the day, like that's just how Maya's gonna party. And I'm mm. glad that I learned it when I did because if I didn't, I would have learned to party when I was like 50 years old. And that's treacherous. Don't you hate to see the little 50 year old in the club talking about some, hey, I'm like, <laughs> you kind of passed your time. Like, see? You, <laughs> they gotta, they gotta go out. They gotta go out. The streets are for them. Then they need a 50 yes. and up club. They don't need to be with the little 25 year olds talking about, sweetheart, you look good. Sir, I know. No, you're my you and my dad play golf. Like stop. <laughs> okay, I agree. I agree with that. 
Ew. Okay, maybe not at the same time, but like my dad just <laughs> turned 79. He calls it pre-80. And it was one of the best parties I've ever been to. Obviously, he's a Leo because, of course. And he was like, you can either hang with me or not because I'll still be going all night. Like, you, I don't need you for this. Don't worry. Like, I'll show you how to do it. And I feel like, yes, there are times and spaces and places for the aunties to get down. But like, age shouldn't have to determine whether or not you can party and have fun, right? Like, a lot of people, you know, the homecoming that I went to, they there were some old heads out there just doing it up. My, I'm, it's not laugh funny. It's and not funny. I'm and not no, funny. It's true, though. <laughs> like, all the alumni come out. Like, they're here. And it's, like, 20-year-olds with the 60-year-olds out here just, like, doing it up and, like, living that life. And I feel like there is there is something special about that, right? There is mm-hmm. something special about being able to do that in a space where you probably weren't able to anymore, right? Or you feel like you didn't have the other people or your tribe to do that with. So I do think there is something to the like all ages type of energy, but I don't know that we're going to be getting a 50 and over club. Like that feels <laughs> like a real like insurance issue. Like, <laughs> but I don't hate that because again, I think what we're also talking talking about is like the different places you feel comfortable, right? Like whether that's 50 plus, whether that's majority black, whether it's again, like a certain type of interest or energy, right? That I think like what we're talking about is where you feel comfortable. And I feel like one of the other things that I was just thinking about as they like was mentioning my sister is that like the way that she partied and like she felt comfortable was so different than what I did. And I saw her and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really want this type of party. Like my sister was was in Jack and Jill, right? And she was a debutante and she, you know, wore the white dress with the white gloves and that was her energy. That was her tribe. And that's where she felt the most joyful and celebrated. And I could not have hated it more. Like it literally made me itch to even like watch. And I know why that is now because that wasn't my energy, right? That wasn't something that I wanted to do. And when my dad asked me like, hey, do you want to do Jack and Jill, which is, you know, a nonprofit organization for Black women and men who are young and, you know, everything like 13 to early 20s, really. And it's an opportunity to sort of like be in a space with other networking Black people who you want to sort of like learn from. You do community organizing work. There's a lot of great things about Jack and Jill. You meet a lot of great people. And the same thing with the Black debutante ball. There was a community service element. They were taught sort of how to enter society, whatever that means. So I'm not knocking it, but for me, it literally made me itch when I like saw 20 beautiful Black women in this, like, ballroom, and they're all sort of, like, done up. And it, you know, they had their white gloves and an escort presenting, and it felt so bizarre for me. And, like, why are we doing this in the 2000s? But for my sister, that was where she felt comfortable, and that was where she felt like she could be celebrated and have fun. And so I think there is this conversation of, like, one party doesn't always work for every person, you know? I had all the same feelings that you had, Chelsea, but I did the debutante ball. Mm. I wore the white dress 
and the white gloves and had an escort and it was put on by the African Caribbean Association in Ontario. And so it was a bunch of black kids and one white girl who ended up winning. That's a whole other story. But <laughs> it's a whole other story. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into it. But we had to do these classes beforehand and a lot of the same stuff you said, Chelsea, about trying to get us ready to enter society again uh, makes me a little icky to think about kind of the like respectability politics that were at play mm-hmm. there. But Mm -hmm. me and my escort, we had to, there was a part in our training, let's call it, where we had to pretend to be married. (laughs) And we were the only couple in the class who got a fake divorce. Because I was like, nah. He was trying to spend all this money on a car. I was like, nah, we out. I'm out. I'm taking the kids. (laughs) And we leaving. And I'm taking the car too. (laughs) It was on divorce court. Right, but it it all culminated into this big party, this debutante ball at the end. And it did feel pretty uncomfortable for me, but it was like this thing that they were trying to get us, I guess, accustomed to these kind of parties and these events. And I do think I learned some stuff. I actually ended up winning Most Improved. What? At my debutante ball. <laughs> because I showed up, you know, I showed up in, like, my sneakers and my track suits. <laughs> I was 16 and still had the same energy. I was playing ball at the time. You know, I just wasn't feeling it. And then, but I can understand an assignment. And so they were like, wear skirts. Learn to ballroom dance. And so I did that. And then I won most improved. <laughs> And here so, you tried. Yeah, and I, so I think that though, but I do think that I got some skills through that whole experience that I still have to this day, and some of the dis- debate skills I learned through that fake divorce, I use at parties in the corner <laughs> when I'm debating people. See, <laughs> traumatized. But it, I mean, I think that sounds deeply traumatizing, to be honest. So we're just going to move right on past that. But I think you bring up a good point, though, that like, you know, whether or not you like it, a lot of people really like find themselves in these groups and in these spaces, right? Like they really identify with them. You know, it, you know, if you went to an HBCU or if you're in Jack and Jill or if you're a link, you're going to know about it and yeah. you're going to hear about it. You know, I'm going to know you're a Q because you're dressed down all the way in that Atlanta airport. Okay. Like I know what you are and like that. And a lot of people find their identity in those groups. Right. And I think it's an interesting space because I get it. You want to be able to have that identity and you want to be able to feel comfort and feel like you take up space. Right. But it also it makes me a little uncomfortable when it becomes part of your identity, right? And I think that's sort of the tough part here is like, how do you weave in and out of that party space, right? Like, what, is that, what does that sort of mean when you can't leave the party? How about that? We need you to little bell ding, because that was a gem. <laughs> okay. Uh, <what>? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, though, Free you got to know. You got to know when it's time to do that Irish goodbye. (laughs) I'll tell you, one time I went to a a party, almost got in a fight with Angela Simmons. Yes, Angela Simmons. Um, And that's what I said. And I'll tell you, I was wearing a black strapless dress. And I was like, well, something's about to pop out. And again, when I was telling this story earlier, my producer, Crystal, was saying, that's when you know something's about to go off. When you prepare your outfit for something popping out. And that... 
is an example okay. of when I knew it was time, time to, to leave the party. <laughs> you know, so it's either a push and pull, right? Like you can make that decision. Angela Simmons can make it for you. Like that's fine, right? Like there are different things that like feed you and serve you at different points in your life. And I feel like if nothing else, the party should be a chance for you to just like have an outlet to explore that, right? And I feel like that that's something that like, if that's not at your party, then that's not the party for you, you know? Sometimes the best party is a party of one. Like sometimes Girl. it's literally just like you, Ooh. the Netflix thing. You know, like I love to party. I love to be with people. But sometimes it's just like not every vibe is for you. So you just have to know like mm. when you take that exit, be comfortable just staying by yourself. And that's that's the thing. It's like you can be a good time on your own, whether that's like you dancing in your room. I always think about the Steph, our co-host is not here. What's Steph's kind of party? Some incense, some right. some yes. some yes. Erica Badu, like that's probably her kind of vibe, and everybody has their specific individual vibe. Yeah, no, it, that's exactly right, right? And I feel like that is just the like important piece of this is just like know your lane, know your tribe, and like have fun, have fun, <laughs> because partying should be fun, whatever that looks like. And I know, and I hope we'll get to do it all soon again. <laughs> And with that, we have reached the end of our discussion. Oh, wait, we're not done yet because we're now at my favorite part of the discussion titled Don't At Me. Now, if you're new, true, or just want to hear me say it again, the Don't At Me is the part of the discussion that we use to tie a bow on our conversation. We leave you with some food for thought and just some general good energy to walk about your day with. And in case the title wasn't clear, you cannot at us, okay? Nothing. Nunca. Non. Nine. No. Heart emoji. For this don't at me, oh wait, it's me. So sit down because I'm going to tell you a little bit about partying, all right? Let's get into it. Okay, so we've been talking about partying, dears. First of all, partying is a privilege, especially today, okay? If nothing else, do it safely, please. Do it strategically and do it for you. Parties can be the last thing on your list or the first thing you're ready to electric slide your way on into, and that's okay. Yes, I said electric slide because I need you all to know how long I've been in this partying game, okay? So listen up. Whether you're the one in the corner like Kathleen or on top of the DJ booth, Metro booming like an AA, we love it. You might be the one who's three hours late also like an AA and forgot to bring a gift. We know it. That's okay. Maybe you're just low-key chilling with a few of your faves. We encourage it, okay? Your party might just be at home with some Netflix and a smile. We live for it because partying is a personal decision. And I know, honestly, there's a lot of pressure now, right, to do things, meet people, get out of your comfort zones, but forget the wings because the good party is about the people, Okay, so find your people. And I know that is a lot easier said than done. If you need a little time to find your tribe or feel comfortable doing it, that's fine too. Because another thing I love about parties is that you can be whoever you want, okay? You can join a homecoming like I did, even if you never went to an HBCU. You can be someone's plus one with a wild backstory and a questionable accent, you can dance the way you want to with whoever you've wanted to because that's a party. Because parties are freedom for us. And frankly, they always have been, okay? I'm talking about the cotton clubs in the 20s, pyramid club drag scene in the 80s, all the way up to up in the club times of our youth. The party has always been power, okay? Never forget that there's 
power in our party because they told us we couldn't. There's love in our parties because they told us we shouldn't. Okay, so the space to be whoever you are on 10, on 20, with your friends, by yourself, is freedom. The chance to hug up on someone, celebrate yourself, or just be joyful because you deserve it is freedom. Now, don't get carried away here because you only got one pair of knees and our bank accounts aren't long like Nelly's in 2003, but that's okay because you don't have to do no one else's party but your own, okay? Because what I'm saying here is you are the party. So don't forget it and most definitely don't at me. Wait a minute. I almost teared up a little bit. I almost cried. I'm not going to lie to you. Chelsea's selling insurance on Megan knees. I know she is. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by everyone's weakness, Target. And when I say everyone, I really mean me. Girl, you and me both. I'll tell myself I don't need anything. And yet, when I get in there, I need everything. Everything, okay? I swear I'm in a relationship with Target. This is now my third move. And at this point, I might as well just buy a house. But luckily, with every move, Target was right by my side. I mean, I think Target would make a good man. They never disappoint. Okay, speak on it, okay? Whether you're looking to build out your new space or just take up space, Target has what we need to embrace our personal style and make sure you're ready to own whatever room you walk into. To learn more, head over to Target.com. Okay, we are so excited today to introduce our BFF in our head and on our screens, Miss Yvonne Orji. She needs no introduction, but if you need a taste of the accolades, the resume is long, okay? Emmy-nominated, keeper of three NAACP Image Awards, a comedian that crushes the stage in thigh-high Balenciaga boots, (laughs) writer and creator of First Gen, half-hour comedy in development right now with Disney Plus in collaboration with David Oyelowo and Oprah Winfrey, know that name, author also of Bamboozled by Jesus on her relationship with faith and fun and, oh wait, I'm not done, the star of Vacation Friends, now on Hulu. But, you know, we also always know her as our good sis Molly from Insecure. And we're going to make sure to put some respect on that name and energy. The amazingly hilarious and talented Yvonne Orji to the Go Off Sis podcast. Welcome, sis. Hey, I'm going to need yeah. you. We're going off. But I'm going to need you to do every introduction for me. I'm Look. like, no. <laughs> I was, I was like doing a little swag surf while you were doing I was like, yeah, that's me too. Yeah. We are coming correct with the credentials. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. But thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. How you feeling? I'm feeling phenomenal. Mm. You know, you know, sometimes you just, I was telling you guys, sometimes you say that and you're like, I'm good. And mm. you're like, am I? I took time, like before the podcast, I had my meditations. Mm. I had my today, I affirm. Girl by Alexander L. Listen, I was I was in my Zen mode and so I feel great. I feel great. I'm happy. I love an Alex L. Just like when she drops like every yes. you're just like, I gotta stop and listen. <laughs> like Gems. whatever I'm doing, I just gotta stop and listen to her. So this good. Is every single one. Something comes to ruin my day. It was sent by the devil. And period. I'm not. Period. It. 
I'm not receiving it. That's it. And we are not opening the door for that today. So Mm -mm. we're keeping it moving. Return to sender, address unknown. Boom. Exactly. That's it. So the vibe is all phenomenal. Okay. And you heard that direct from Yvonne. (laughs) Okay. So let's sort of get into this now because I think we're talking about change. And one of the things that we are so excited for over here is the final season of Insecure. Like, burr, 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 come on. Like, burr. you know, wah, wah, wah. like, we're not ready. <laughs> oh, sorry. Good, Wait, that is coming back, like, but sad. It was like, yes. like wah, wah, wah. I'm just happy that it's back. Yes. It's Thank God it's coming back, but also... Yes. Wow. There's so much emotion and we're going to miss the show. We're going to miss Molly. I'm going to miss the looks. Like, I... Mm. But I want to talk a little bit about that growth for you from season one to now. And now going into this final season, how playing her has really helped you grow in time and what Molly has sort of given you in your life and perhaps changed your your life over these past five years. Yeah. I mean, when I first when I first read the script, when I like opened the pilot, I think I remember telling you, so I was like, Molly's probably who I would have been if I didn't get saved at 17. <laughs> like, and I was like, I didn't fully know what that meant, but I was like, she's a lot of things. And I'm like, I don't know that I necessarily know the fullness of who she is, but I'm excited to like join in and tap in because I didn't know this chick. And then now I just sent Issa and Prentice a text. Obviously, this is like six years later, five seasons later something that we shot in season five legitimately happened to Yvonne in real life. And I was like, ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) This is this episode right now. Like, what happened? And I was like, it happened verbatim. Like, this chick is blending into my real life. And thank her for preparing me for what happened. Like, it was just Mm. like, she did it. And when I was in it, I was like, yo, I've been here before. It's not even like deja vu. This is my character (laughs) preparing the way for Yvonne. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. And they were like, that's wild. I was like, we are one. So I get why people are mad at me for her, but still everybody chill, relax. Okay, because we got to get into that. Mm -hmm. I was like, as you're saying this, I'm like, I got to choose my next words carefully. Because yes. you're saying you and Molly are one. No, but Molly is, you know, this this polarizing figure. I'd be out here in the streets defending Molly, defending your honor constantly. And I, I know that you. people love to hate her. You know, you get a lot of feedback on her choices. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there have been times where you're like, you hit up Prentice and Issa and you're like, why you got to make Molly do that? Like, I, I don't <laughs> yes. have to be defending her. People are going to be mad. And then how, like, if you agree with some of these choices that she makes that are questionable. Well, what's funny is Issa, Issa ain't loyal. I'm just going to that <laughs> out there. As Issa Ray and Issa D. Okay, all the Issas, right? Because last year she was clowning me because I was doing press and like defending my honor and my character's honor. She was like, I see you on your Molly apology tour. I said, wait a minute. First of all, <laughs> that's the whole move. You wrote this. <laughs> I was just about to say, um, yeah. and she was like, well, it ain't me. And so like, she literally was like, I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've had contentious battles with them and not really contentious like we love each other but I just like real y'all this is what y'all gonna do like y'all y'all like and so Princess was like you know drama is what makes TV exciting and I was like yeah but why why she got to bring all the drama like why <laughs> why am I the escape goal? but it's fine I, I feel like the reason people have such an issue with Molly is because they've either been Molly's 
you know, a lot of times when you transition, when you've grown out of something, you see somebody in it, you want to be like, see, that's the problem right there. See, like, see, and it's just like, remember Grace? Remember when you were her and like, you wanted people to have Grace with you and now you don't have Mm -hmm. Grace with the character? Because when you have healed from your own situations, it's so easy to look at somebody who's in that state like, they don't even know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't even know. It's like, yeah, they don't. They don't. That's why they're still doing it. (laughs) So allow them the same process you had. But I, I also don't necessarily think that everything I say often that it's easy to say, I need to change. The hard part is not recognizing it. The hard part is not knowing how to. Yeah. Mm. And so that's really where Molly and a lot of people, I think, especially in this pandemic, when you have to sit with yourself and you're like, you know, okay, I recognize things that need to be augmented. However, Mm. it is going to require surgery (laughs) because there's no, there's no pill for it. There's no like. There ain't enough not my saying for it. You got to, nah, I'm going to stay in this muck and figure it out, you know? Yeah. And the work is what's hard because it's not just like a one-stop shop. It's like you unearth one thing and then you're like, dang, I just discovered something else I got to work on. Like, I'm always tired. (laughs) Like, and everybody, I mean, you see people who are like 50 and not changing. You're like, they should know better. They old and it's like, no, age does not mean wisdom. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that's why I defend Molly so much is because I think she's so realistic because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, uh, Molly should know better, but she doesn't do better. But how many of us have been <laughs> exactly there doing that same thing and making those same mistakes over and over and over again? And one of the other things I love so much about Molly and Issa's relationship and the show in general is friendship. And how it explores this, like, Black female friendship that we all know so deeply and haven't really seen on television since Girlfriends went off yeah. the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you, can you talk to what makes this, like, Black friendship on Insecure so special? Yeah. I mean, because even with Girlfriends, it was a different type of, like, L.A., right? It was yep. just, like, the kind of cool, posh, yep. like, they're, I, I don't know that they were older, but they were just kind of, like, coming into their own in a different way. Where we are four girls who are in South L.A., the music is different, the vibes are different, the issues that we're dealing with are different. It's kind of like you have, you know, my character who's kind of establishing herself, but then you have Issa's character who's kind of finding herself. And then you have, like, you know, Amanda's character who's like married, but that she's going through a new chapter. And Kelly is just, we don't, we really don't know what Kelly is. <laughs> she here. She, she here. She, I mean, she's fabulous and she's amazing, but we're also kind of like, but like, what happened? Like, what? <laughs> Sorry, Girl, who, who are you in life? But we love Kelly. And, and the way they talk too, it's like we have the liberty on HBO to have a vernacular. Mm-hmm. That is very different than what Girlfriends was able to do on the CW, you know? And so it's just like the feel is a little bit more gritty, a little bit more raw. But so many friend groups now, it's like, I recognize my, I, that's my friend, so-and-so, that's my sister. Like, so the recognition is there because we're kind of growing up with y'all, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. we're making the mistakes that either you all have made or are about to make. And so we're just like doing it in real time because I think the amazing thing is the writers are so vulnerable. A lot of the storylines actually come from, like, this is not made up. <laughs> like, people are like, yo, this happened to you on a date. It's like, mm, all right, let's put that in the script. Mm. You know, like, or, or like, and, and we didn't realize this is what they were doing season one because I remember season one, they came in, they asked all of the actors, like me, Jay, 
Amanda and Natasha, we all came in and they were like, okay, you know, tell us about like things that have happened to you in this scenario. And I'm boo the fool because this is my first time. Like, oh my God, oh my God, this <laughs> happened to me at this time. And then this other dude did this. And then this other, and they were like, oh yeah, that's wild. Cut to, I'm like, wait, is that, <laughs> did y'all add some of that? And it's like, well, we just wanted to know like, <laughs> what was in your wheelhouse. And I was like, real life. <laughs> no to self, <laughs> plot twist. Copy, copy. I see how y'all did me. But, you know, I think a lot of the writers also bring that same vulnerability. They're like, yo, I was on this app and this dude said this to me. Like, now we got to put it in the script. So the relatability in the friends group comes because, like, these are not fictitious people. These are real characters birthed from real experiences. For even for like the the love life part of it, the dating aspect, like you said, there's that relatability to the point that sometimes I'm like, did Issa ask me? Like, she don't know me, but I definitely, <laughs> I have experienced this type of thing. So for you as a person who's like the line between fiction and fact is a little bit blurred. I feel like Molly and relationships, it's not good. It's not giving. A lot of times it's not giving. For you as Molly, who is like, you know, you have your own life, you do your own thing. Do you feel like, in real life, you would agree with Molly in terms of like dating stuff like, you know, OK, she had a point. A point was made for me. I'm like, the real question. Would you rather chop Ghana Jolof or follow Molly's love life advice? I feel like for me, I'm going to eat the auntie's rice. I'm going to eat the rice wait, and that's suffer. That's not even a question. Why would you even do this to me? I thought you I'm said just, you were a fellow. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, because it's like Molly. Do you want chaos or chaos? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, there's, there's no good answer. The answers are just. I don't, you, you have set me in a very precarious position. I don't, I don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't like it one, one iota. No, sorry. you cannot ask me these things. <laughs> okay, sorry. My, the spirit of my father just came out of me. As a Ghanaian on the <laughs> panel, I just got to say that I've taken all of this personally. Ain't nobody trying to hear <laughs> that. No, Afia, Aqua, we're not trying to hear that. Afia, Aqua, okay. That's that a bena to you, but okay. Oh, okay, okay. There we go. <laughs> She, wow. she had Nigerian so business. There were so many shots. <laughs> Chelsea is like, this one, we can't ride the people. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I can't take you guys anywhere. Yes, the diaspora. You can just see the rest. She's like, I don't even know. I mean, it's fine. I love it. Literally, this is like why I get up every morning. But yes, this is, this big is what we're pop. here for. It's, it's that big and pop all over exactly. again. Like, all we had to do was go in the studio and make a fire album. But nah. <laughs> anyway, you know, Molly, so I, I should say the way the trajectory of me and Molly have gone is there were seasons where I was like, I, this is, no, I'm, I'm a little ahead of her in her growth process. And then it was like, okay, we, you know, side by side. And it's like, oh, okay, she grew a little bit. And then it's like, oh, I guess I got to. So we kind of been in a car. And sometimes I'm ahead. Sometimes she's behind. Sometimes she's ahead. And I got to play catch up. Mm. Some of her dating things, I remember like season one, I'd be like, yo, man, when I would go on a date as Yvonne, like, yo, just don't make no Molly mistakes. Just don't make no Molly mistakes. Just like, take your time. <laughs> like, whatever she did, like, don't do the opposite. And then, yeah, I would say in terms of at least my growth in the dating arena, there are some things I'm like, oh, yeah, you tipped it. Or like, you know, the reality is, and I, this is where we connect. The more you get to know yourself, the more you get to really understand what it is that you want from a relationship. Yeah. And I think that Molly was just trying so hard to get a relationship and like bypassing the getting to know yourself. 
And I think that's what Asian Bay brought out of her. And she was just like, I, I'm floundering here because like, I'm trying to show up for you. And then he's mm. like, you're like, well, what do you want? Like, what are you fighting for? And it's like that question stops her in a track. And it's kind of like, ooh, mm. like one of the meditations I listened to, they say this line that stopped me in my tracks. And she says, here you are. And I just love that because mm. it's just kind of like when you are in an airport and it's like, you are here. And it's just like, sometimes like, it's not like, where are you? It's like, here you are. Here you like, you've been found. Here you are. Do you like the you that you are? Do you like the you that is currently here? Like, here you are. Because everywhere you go, you're bringing you. And at any point, you can either love the here you are or you can augment the here you are. But it's still going to be you. And I think mm. through my growth journey, I can see like sometimes I'm like, that's, that's, that's it right there. That's, she don't, she don't quite know herself. She don't quite like, she hasn't fallen in love with her mm. and she's mm. looking for love to kind of fill in the gaps. And then other times it's like, no, 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 she was right. These are F boys. And so like, that's what it is. All right. Or, you know, it's funny, my, my, my friend and I have this thing where we're like, you know, we're not savages. We're not savages. Like it sounds real good when Meg that I'm a savage. <laughs> we're not. We're really, we're not. Like, I'm not, I'm not a savage out here in the streets. I don't even, I don't even know the first, the first rule of savagedom. I don't know it. So I think Molly, especially with droves, like, I think she was out here trying to be a savage and got her feelings hurt. And it's just like, mm. you can't do it, boo. It's not, it's not in your DNA. It's not what you <sighs> So true. Being a savage is a full-time job, I know. I was going to say, Chelsea's yeah. one, so. Man. Yeah, it's a full-time <laughs> job. Like, yeah. you think I just sit around, like, do you know how much energy it takes to fill out the roster and make sure everyone's See? position is correct? It takes so much energy. No. no it's a full-time job. Yeah. It's not for everyone. I know. I didn't know. They, they didn't pick me for the lineup. I'm still, I'm warming the bench. I don't think I'm ever going to play. <laughs> Actually, I feel like I'm quit. I'm going to quit. Yvonne, I'm <laughs> telling you, best position is six man off the bench, and I will hold that forever. Six man off the bench is the best position. Position, I feel like I don't think we're talking about sports anymore, so I, just, I don't even know how to answer. I want to know. <laughs> I'm just still holding out for Molly and Asian Bay. I just, I feel like I got to say that because I think that a lot of people listening are too. Mm-hmm. But we're, you know, looking to the final season. I'm already emotional. Mm-hmm. I saw Issa's videos, yours on IG of the last day on set. It looked Hella emotional. Devastating. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Tell us about that day and like that final day on set and, and what it was like to say goodbye to all of this. So the final scene that Issa and I were actually shooting on my final day, it already had embedded in it tears. <laughs> like it already had like the script was so that it was an emotional scene. And <laughs> I was like... If I never go on set, like, does that mean the show is an end? Like, should mm. I just play my trailer? <laughs> like, I, I was really like, so, I mean, like, they can't shoot it if I don't show up, right? <laughs> Everyone was like, if you don't go on set. And I just remember being like, I don't, like, I know this is the end, but like, and they did. So normally they'll be like, all right, Martini's up. And which is like, this is the final scene. You know, the Martini is the final scene. And they didn't, they didn't say it. And I, cause I was like, I think this, is this the Martini? And nobody, like, on no, none of the PAs knew that. I was like. I feel like Martinez. We came in and it was so somber. And then we had to do the rehearsal. I'm about to cry now. And it's, it's like, I just started crying. And I was just like, oh, heck. Like, no, this is like forever for it. Like, this is it. Like, this is my last day as Molly. Okay. 
And so I'm crying at the rehearsal. Issa's crying. She's like, we haven't even shot it yet. I was like, I know, but like, like this is it. Like, I'm just like, yo, you still have another day. Like, I'm going home, like, today. And it was, and I remember, the well, Prentice was also directing, Prentice Penny, our showrunner, was also directing the finale. And he whispered in my ear for me to do something and didn't tell Issa because we were now in her coverage. And so I did it and it threw, and she was just like, oh God, no, no, I see what you are doing. And so basically, yeah, when y'all see, I, I'll tell more when y'all see it, but like basically I threw her off and I was just like being very raw and vulnerable and honest and like just actually talking as Yvonne and not mm-hmm. as Molly and gutted, just, just tears. Like she, there was no thug left in any of us. And and then we had to say goodbye after that. Lord. <laughs> yeah. And so we walked out and they wrapped me out. And it was just like, just, just waterwork. Cause it was like, this is it. This is it. Yeah. So, um, like I'm not about to make me cry. No, no, we're not ready. (laughs) No, we are not. But what I will say is like, if this is it, like what an it to have had. Yeah. (laughs) Like genuinely. And I think for a lot of us, like we can't imagine our lives without it. So Mm. thank you for it. (laughs) Thank you. It holds a special place, I think, in a lot of our hearts. And that changed my life. She changed my life. So uh, yeah, she holds a special place in my life too. It's, it, it's definitely that thing of like, oh, not what am I going to do next, but definitely that I'm going to take my time mm. to figure out what I do next. Because like yeah. I've had it so good. We're not just jumping into nothing else. Just not to grab no, not to grab no bags, not to grab nothing. Like if it's not this caliber or higher, like I don't want it to be honest. Mm. And maybe I'm chasing my first high and. This is how people become drug addicts. But hey, listen, <laughs> blue magic. I'm trying to find that blue magic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, though, like, you know what it tastes like. You know what it feels like. So that's the only thing you're going to accept moving forward. And we need to get more comfortable with that. Only yeah. accepting what we know is right for us and will take us to that next level. Because that's where you're at. In, in relationships, everything. in work, in friendships, in apartments, in houses. Like, whatever. We don't, we're not selling for nothing. Mm. That's a word. The price just went up. Like that's hey, really you hear that? <laughs> that's the, the price going up. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a really important piece for a lot of people to hear because a lot of times you hear the opposite. Like, oh, just take what you can, get what you get, and say thank you. And that doesn't work. And we're not doing that anymore. The reality though is like both things come with the cost, mm-hmm. right? It comes with the cost of saying that hustle and grind, I'm gonna just get whatever. That's the cost. It also comes with a cost to be like, I'm only just going to do the things that really feed my my soul because that means you're probably not going to be a lot of things. And so it's like, if you're looking for like, I just want to be popping. I just want to be like in the announcements every week. Well, you're not going to be if you're searching for the thing that's like very specific to you. And so it's like, you have to know what that priority is for yourself because yeah. I'd rather do five things that my soul is energized from than 20 things just so that like my resume could be long. No, that's not what we're doing. I'd rather date two genuine dudes and marry one of them than like 50 dudes and be like, and then I had to go to therapy after each one because they mm. broke my heart. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> so yeah, 
I want to switch gears a little bit because we're talking about insecure and we're talking about, you know, leaving on a high note, honestly. And I think one of the things we're also talking about this episode is house parties getting back to life and knowing when to maybe leave that good party before things go left. But first, I just want to know, like, what is your party persona? Like, are you the one on the dance floor requesting songs? Are you in the corner on your like phone looking up Uber and Lyfts? Are you literally at home in the shower and you said you're five minutes away, but oop, you're not coming? Are you on the other side of the corner doing dance battles because you have Megan knees? I'm not sure. I'm definitely at the DJ booth like, hey, yo, hey, yo. So you got to have DMX. You got to have the little cam, the queen mm-hmm. bee. Mm. Okay. I'm the one, because I, I used to host weddings, so I understand how to curate uh, excitement. I understand how to curate joy. And mm. so Ooh. I'm definitely like, get the party started. Like, what are mm. we doing? Or keep the party going. And then, it dep- but it depends on the party's whack. It's like, I'm out of there. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to give my energy to something that's not giving me nothing back. But if if it's popping, if it's jumping, like I, I, HBO had a, <laughs> a party at Sundance last year. And there may or may not have been me on top of a table oh. with a microphone. Yvonne, I, I was like, there. I, like, <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> you didn't even give it time to breathe, Chelsea. You, didn't even, you weren't even like, okay, let me see. I'm ah. sorry. Because it was one of like the high moments of my Sundance. And I wasn't sure if you remember that moment. So it was great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you just can't, don't give me the mic. Like, don't, like, don't do that. Because like, I'm going to have to be on it. And like, I'm going to have to like, do what I do when I have the microphone in my hand. So, I mean, whose fault really was it? It wasn't mine. So, uh, there we are. So that, that's kind of who I am. Yes. And again, like I said, I was there and it was the high point of Sundance and perhaps my January because it was like one of the last things that we did before, <laughs> you know, pandemic down. life. So I appreciate you and I thank you for that party persona. I love that you called yourself a curator of joy Mm. because I feel like that describes you and Insecure and so much of what you've brought into our lives. Another curator of joy is Lil Rel Howery. Yeah. And so we got to talk about Vacation Friends, your latest film together on Hulu. You and Lil Rel, you're friends in real life. We get this energy on screen between the two of you. You're sort of like Martin and Gina energy. For 2021, how did that chemistry that we see on screen develop off screen? Oh my gosh. So I've known Rel since, I mean, we were both comics, right? So Rel actually put up a post recently and maybe 2014, we went out and grabbed crabs in LA and just like was just dreamcasting. Like, yo, man, you know, I'm trying to do this comedy thing. He's like, I'm trying to do comedy and acting and like we're just I mean, we're just two black kids in LA and just really just bigging one another up and then cut to it's like yo he blows up he has a HBO comedy special I'm opening up for rock I get my HBO comedy special we do Quentin and Molly on Insecure and then it's like just this opportunity came up and I was like y'all it, the chemistry is there in vacation friends because the chemistry is there because we're actual friends. Like, it's just like, I respect him. I think he's so talented, one. And then also just like, he's having an amazing, amazing ride. And it's just, the world is catching up to those two kids who were just eating crab legs. (laughs) (laughs) I know you said you're only doing things that serve you. And so we want to hear a little bit more about that and about the other projects you've got going on, First Gen and this book. So 
let's let's talk about it. Let's yeah. talk about it. If you could tell us about, obviously your faith inspires so much of your journey, of your career, your personal life, all of that. For people who are listening and people who followed you and people who maybe are just not, not being introduced, everyone knows Yvonne at this point, right? <laughs> the streets are hearing and learning. So <laughs> could you take us down the road of like you kind of establishing everything and trying to keep yourself while also growing in this industry and in this life, because you're always evolving. You're meditating, you're learning about yourself and your faith is influencing and informing all of that. Tell us about how you're keeping steady in that process. I love that. Keeping steady. No, you know, for me, you guys only know about me, not because I'm so talented, but because of my faith journey. If I'm Mm. being honest, like it's like, I didn't know that this was a reality coming from immigrant parents. This is very other. This is like, oh, okay, the people on the television, that's okay, wonderful. <laughs> like, we don't, like, I didn't know that that was an option for me. I was just trying to figure out what life meant for me. But I think my whole life, I've kind of been meant to go against the grain. Like, I opened the book by saying I was born holding my mom's IUD in my hand. Mm. Like, that's just real talk. Like, my mom had three sons, and she was like, I think I'm done. And then she got, was like, but no, boo, you got one more. Trust me, you're going to want this one. And, you know, the reason why I call myself a joy curator, I'm also a joy defender, my full name is Yvonne Amelia Deze, mm. which means archer of happiness, daughter of a king. And I know that I am purposed in this world to, like, shoot infectious joy, like, in mm. every space that I encompass. Like, I when I show up, goodness and mercy show up with me. And I didn't know exactly what that looked like in every sense of the word, but I just always knew that I wanted more. Like, it's just like, it's like you ever be like, you're green. I'm like, yes, I am. Like, I want more. Like, you know, I knew what was expected as a Nigerian American. It's like, okay, you're going to get married at 27. I was like, yeah, but I want a happy marriage. You know, like, mm-hmm. and it's like, I've, I saw the people who were getting married. I'm like, again, how does that work? You know, or like, do you even know yourself enough? I'm not, I'm not saying people who are getting married at 27 don't. But for me, I was like, I, I'm 27 and I don't I don't know myself enough to like bring somebody into this Negro spiritual. So like, nah, I'm not going to be stuck or confined to timelines except for the ones that I'm going to be on for myself. Or I understand what it looks like to be a Dr. Laura engineer, but like, mm, God told me to do this other thing that I have no idea about, but I'm going to follow it because now I'm curious. Like, what if there are more options than the four that were laid out for me? And so in the book, Bamboo's About Jesus, it really is about me being stupid enough to just keep saying yes. <laughs> just being dumb enough to be like, all right, let's rock with it. Cool. How do we do it? I don't know, but we're going to find out. And there were some roles that were like super like fun, but then there were other roles that were like, yo, this is hard. Like, I'm, I'm tapping out. And that's what I talk about in the book. It's like when you have a purpose, when you know, like, I'm supposed to do something, I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur, I'm supposed to start a podcast, I'm supposed to go out in business on my own, I'm supposed to do whatever it is. It is sometimes scary because you're just like, I know I'm supposed to do, but I don't think I'm skilled enough. I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough connections. And God is like, I didn't ask you for all of those things. I just asked you for a yes. Yeah. And this is like, ooh. And when I said yes, it was like I started down on the path that was so foreign and you know my parents who are foreign were like we don't know what this is like why would you go back <laughs> like we sacrificed so that you could like build upon that sacrifice now you you sacrifice some, you can sacrifice some more to surprise because yes there were some broke days before i became molly there were some hard days before i became molly there were some frustrating and uncertain days 
And I think we're all in a transitionary period, especially with the pandemic, where it's like, man, nothing is guaranteed. Everything that you thought was set in stone, it don't exist no more. Mm. You know, like people are redefining their transitions, they're redefining the seasons that they're, that they're in. And I, I think this book came out in a really opportune time for anybody who's searching. Like, it's really for people who are in transition. And, you know, you're not the right Jesus because it's really me telling you all the intricate things that I went through to become the person you're seeing now, right? And I hated it when you would ask the question people like, I'm so like, in those dark times, and those hard times, like, what did you do? And, you know, they'd be like, you, you know, we started from the bottom, but now we're here, fam. It's like, okay, I understand that. But, like, like when you were at the bottom, though, like, what did the bottom <laughs> look like? And how did you get back up? Hey, man, why are you bringing up old stuff? We good now, fam. It's like, what? <laughs> and I just, like, it's like, you just feel so helpless. You just feel like, so people don't like sharing the dark times. Yeah. Because it's just like, that's not it. Like, I'm trying to just focus on right now because we made it. And it's like, do you understand it's like rich people are always leaving morsels uh, like on the like like rich white people they're they're like this how we did it I mean hopefully it'll work for you but she be the double like you know what I mean like but they're they're giving you <laughs> I got that from real he's gonna be so mad because that's what he says she be the that's amazing <laughs> I love that from him and so I give him all credit but it's just like we're the only ones that like we want to like either put out the facade like now be good. Like, we good. We're here. And for me, I wanted there to be no mistake. Like, bam, they were, like, I talk in a book about one time God asked me to give my rent money. And I was like, oh, see. So, like, what you mean? Because, like, you know, we don't do homelessness very well. It's not sexy mm. on me. So, like, figure it out. And, you know, another time I couldn't go into New York City to grab, like, a slice of pizza, a purple Fanta. Mm. great Fanta and per, you know, it's purple drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And I had two degrees and it's just like, yo, fam, like this don't make no sense. But like, I, I, Sally Mae still old, like is still calling me. And all I want, I said yes to these dreams and they feel like nightmares. Like, how mm. does this work? And I think so many of us are in that place where we want bigger, we want better, we want more. And we may be uncertain as to what more actually even looks like or how to mm. attain more. And we have, some people have this notion, like, to get the best, it's like, is this going to be an easy route? I'm like, yo, this ain't Orville Redenbacher. Like, we're not just going to pop hot and quick. Like, it's a crock pot. Sometimes you got to stay in it overnight. Yeah. And the uncomfortability of that is what I really talk about in the book. But clearly it works out because the tagline is how God tricked me into the life of my dreams. I wouldn't be here if it was just bamboozled by Jesus. I'm like, he don't listen to him. He's crazy. <laughs> I'll be the first one to be like, uh-uh. If he come a knocking, start running. But <laughs> it works out. <laughs> yeah. I love that, though, and I think, like, one of the other things that you also shared is that the time and a place for things, right? So when Insecure was ending, you also were able to get new energy and new news with first gen, right? And so really understanding the time and place for everything and that, like, God doesn't fail his favorites, frankly. Yeah. Like, what does that sort of look like as you're, you know, manifesting and setting down one thing and, and picking up another? In but the, the, the reality moment? was first gen came before insecure. So I actually had first gen in my system in 2014. I shot the trailer for it. Oprah and David got on board 2015, like June. I booked insecure August. 
and have been trying to sell it since 2015 and didn't find a home for it until 2020. <laughs> like, mm. that's the crazy thing about it. Like, so it's just kind of like, it was in there. I was like, come on. And this is pre-Black Panther. This is pre-Black, like, pre, like, you know, Bob Hart to be Shola. Mm. I was like, yo, I, I feel like the world is ready for a Nigerian-American or African continent slash American hybrid. Like, I, I know it. Like, I live it. Like, everybody knows a Nigerian. And people are like, no, nah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. And then cut to, we're at home. And people are like, we need content that, like, multi-generational family members can sit down mm. and watch together. It's like, man, I've been at this. But that was that was the thing. That was the catalyst. So a lot of times people, are, you know, feel like, man, my product didn't pop right away. It must not be good. I That was never my thing. I was like, they just don't know it yet. Mm. And they didn't until the environment conspired the, for it to be the thing that's necessary. And I write in the book all the time, like, don't discount what's in you just because somebody sat at the table first. Your meal is still brewing. Like, mm. you, there is a seat for you. Like, you might just need to bring your own tablecloth and your own dishes, but, like, be prepared and be ready because when your supply is called for, you better start cutting. <laughs> like, it's too late to start getting ready. Mm. And I think that's really, like, the energy of your book. And I think, you know, you saying it, like, I may not win, but I always win. <laughs> And that's it. That's it. So that's the energy we are bringing and we are going with and we're moving forward with. And that's the energy you brought for us today, Vaughn. Thank you so much. Like, this was literally do this forever. Like, this was so fantastic. You are so amazing. And also just like continuing to build and grow and curate for all of us. So we appreciate you here for the culture, in the culture, of the culture. Always. I appreciate y'all and not just your love forever. So. That's right. I know. I that's right. It. Listen, <laughs> let's, let's end it there. She I said what she said. Nice. There we go. The Go Off This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Maya Carmichael, and Inaye Komanibo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Money world.